following podcast deals with topics of a sexual nature and is intended for mature audiences only. Hi guys, Brittany Jane here. Before we start this episode, I wanted to make a quick note. We bring up pedagogic pederastry later in this episode, and I wanted to make it very clear that we in no way, shape, or form support or think it's okay to have sex with minors. So please understand that we are only bringing it up within its historical context because it is relevant to the topic currently being discussed in this episode. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. Kinks and Tangents. Episode 3. What, what? In the butt. What, what? In the butt! Yay! Welcome to episode three. Episode three of Cakes and Tangents. This is Max. This is the butt. (laughs) Butt Butt-y Jane. Butt-y butt. butt butt Butt-y Jane. Butt-y Jane. Uh, I'm super excited about this episode. I feel like this is a subject that you and I talk about a lot. Anal play. And this is like, I think... butt stuff. Butt stuff. Which is weird. Like, Which one of weird. my best friends and I talk about butt stuff all the time, but it's true. Yeah. I think there's just so much to be explored in, yeah. in the depths of the <laughs> subject. Yeah, it's it's weird because anal is one of those weird topics in, in uh, like, facets of human sexuality where it's so prevalent. You see it so much, mm-hmm. yet it's so taboo. There's this weird, like, paradox about it. Yeah, and I think, you know, just talking about the the history of anal, there are several cultures that used to and still practice anal sex as a form of birth control. That surprised and, me. Mm-hmm, yep, it was incredibly col- uh, common in Polynesian cultures. Um, and when you think about it, that makes sense, right? You yeah. don't want to get pregnant. You don't yeah. have condoms available. You're not going to have traditional forms of birth control that we have available to yeah. us today. But so, a guy wants to blow his wad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the butt is one option. Um, heteroanal sex has been found in paintings in Japan, China, the Mediterranean, and South America. Um, and just in general, I think before sort of modern religion and Western religion especially, mm-hmm. uh, you do see a lot more acceptance around anal stuff in general. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. As far as, like, sort of the ancient civilizations in Western society are concerned, uh, the ancient Sumerians were pretty relaxed about anal sex, mm-hmm. both from female-male female, female male and male-male uh, combos. Oh, interesting. So they, they were practicing pegging yeah. long before we even coined a modern term for it. Yeah. Um, ancient Greeks are fa- are famously known for having male or female sexual partners. Yeah. And this was considered such a normalcy that a, a way of saying anal sex back in the day was doing it the Greek way. <laughs> um, it, it makes it makes so much sense because you look at the ancient pottery and yeah. a lot of the ancient art and there's just so much butt sex going down. There's so much butt sex. <laughs> in fact, I actually found um, the the culture that had the most amount of anal sex in their art mm-hmm. was ancient Peruvians. A majority, That's crazy. A majority of their sexual depictions um, in this one tribe in Peru were anal sex. That's so crazy. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that. And I just wanted to make a note sort of about, um, speaking of like Greeks, about Athenian and Spartan. Um, it's called pedagogic pedestry, pedestry, which is basically sort of a romantic relationship that's established mm-hmm. between an older male and a teenage boy. Uh-huh. In those cultures at that time, 
um, it was totally normal and totally appropriate for mm-hmm. an older man and a teenage boy to have a relationship because it was almost like an apprenticeship. Uh-huh. Now, even though those relationships and pairings were romantic in nature, it was mm-hmm. explicitly forbidden to have penetrative sex in those relationships. It's fascinating. Yeah, so even though there was a culture of male-on-male anal play um, in these cultures that was very well, well known to this day, thousands mm-hmm. of years later, um, they did have rules around it. It's very interesting. Yeah. And then um, I also found that in ancient Rome, if one was considered a citizen, so if you were a grown man, mm-hmm. um, it was morally inappropriate for you to take the passive or the receiving end of anal play. Um, huh. And it was basically considered immodest. Interesting. And so the the passive or receiving role would only be appropriate for boys or teenagers, yeah. basically, or women. That's interesting. So I think this is sort of the beginnings of potentially where we see um anal sex on the receiving end as a, a as a form of um demasculating somebody that's very interesting and i wonder looking back at that just having you know those constant teenage boy older man relationships mm-hmm. and having that form of anal play get passed on and on yeah you know, it was kind of considered normal but then when you introduce forbidden rules yeah about it that's when you start seeing stuff ramp up and I imagine it's also due to, you know, all these older men, they're out fighting wars, they don't have females around. Um, it's kind of sort of like a hall pass in a way for them. Yeah, and I think that sexuality is, um, it's a very complicated thing. And yeah. you see a lot of men and women swinging in a different direction and mm-hmm. seeking comfort in a same-sex in a same-sex partner that may not necessarily be somebody that they would go for in a normal life situation mm-hmm. um, but in times of distress capture warfare um, certainly in prison you mm-hmm. do see people seeking comfort in um, same-sex partners if they're they themselves are um self-described heterosexuals you will Uh you will see that happen Mm -hmm. um and i think there there is certainly something to be said about a spartan culture where it is very aggressive and 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 war uh like a warlike people that are constantly in a space of being in male and male only sort of environments that they would gravitate towards one another for um Comfort, and yeah. you do see that also in um in, in ancient Japan. You would see mm-hmm. that in samurai, and it was not considered abnormal for a samurai in Japan mm-hmm. to develop a relationship with another samurai. And it's basically like BFFs, yeah. like literally butt buddies. Yeah, <laughs> and that was totally literal normal. butt buddies. Yeah, because again, they were not in a position to be able to see their wives or their or their families. So yeah. that was a form of of coping. Yeah. Once we start moving into the Middle Ages, everyone got really crazy about Jesus. <laughs> well, I, I, imagine, <laughs> I imagine, like, during the Middle Ages, like, people just weren't clean. So you had all these plagues running about. And I imagine, like, there's a lot of stigma that started getting thrown in the mix. A lot of, you know, yeah. you know religious smiting where we are committing sin. And... Yeah, I think a lot of it really had to do with the the turmoil that people were moving through and i think that this is a, a theological debate that i am not at all qualified <laughs> to really speak eloquently on but in the middle ages we do have plagues we have wars we have a lot of distress 
and upheaval. And I think mm-hmm. um, it's very common in times of distress and chaos for people to to gravitate towards conservatism mm-hmm. and to look to institutions like the church uh-huh. to find their bearings. And mm-hmm. they kind of over-invested in the church <laughs> <laughs> in all things. Um, and that could be, you know, you could look at that one way or another. But one thing that was certainly hit was sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so what we start to see in the Middle Ages is there is a lot of concern around anal sex, about what is and isn't right, about uh-huh. sin in general, mm-hmm. um, and sins against nature, sins against God. And generally people, no fun. If you're having <laughs> fun, that's a sin against God, you're not allowed to have fun. Because yeah. they were afraid. I think an equivalent would be sort of what happened after the Great Depression here in America, mm-hmm. what happened um, in Germany during the Great Depression. People were in such a state of chaos that they gravitated towards anybody that had answers and the church Mm -hmm. had answers for them and kind of pulled them out of that chaos. So again, I think it makes sense in my mind that if the church is telling you don't have anal sex, don't eat fish during these months, like whatever it is, um, I think I'm sure it was with really great intentions. Um, and of course, you know, with anything, where you say, don't do that, people are going to want to do it. Yeah, and so, then it becomes a taboo. And and then they people, want it more. They want it more. <laughs> yeah, so um, in this case, punishments throughout history uh, for sodomy would be um, burning, mutilation, yeah. and decapitation. So basically, if you were caught or it was proven that you engaged in some sort of sodomy, you would die. You'd die. You, you'd die. You, you engage in butt play, you're a goner. Yeah. Basically. So historically... In the past, more recent years, um, it's changed. But for a long part of our human history, it was condemned. And Mm -hmm. um, it was usually due to religious beliefs. Uh Um, I would say this was pretty consistent across all of the Western religions. Uh So uh, I think a lot of this had to do around the fact that anal sex was considered um, and and folded under this term of sodomy. Mm -hmm. And sodomy was any sexual act that was not with the intention of procreation. Mm-hmm. So it was a sin against God, therefore, and it was just not to be allowed. So mm-hmm. um, it's, like I said, consistent against all three Western religions. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Torah, it states that a man's wife is permitted to him so that he may do with her as he wishes. Um, sexually, of course, uh-huh. that means that he could have anal sex with her or he could have oral sex. Um, and it, I got the impression that the concern around it was... If you have oral or anal or mm-hmm. some sort of sodomy with your wife, you're wasting semen because that semen uh-huh. could have been too, could have been a, a child. child. Yeah. Yeah. So it was almost like like what I walked away from that was um, if he has anal, basically not to bust a nut, like just like <laughs> hold if it. If you in. have anal, get your wife pregnant, and yeah. it's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in Islam, very similar to Christianity, mm-hmm. um, it they look upon anal sex as a sin and in parts of the Quran, which talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, um, it is that story is considered to be a reference to unnatural sex, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, um, or sex that doesn't produce children. Uh So, um, sodomy kind of came from Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. And so it includes anal sex and oral sex as well as bestiality. I like how they're really specific. about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then Buddhism does not really weigh in on one side of the matter or the other. Um, I think that there's a little bit more relaxation on the Eastern religions mm-hmm. on this subject. Um, Shinto, for example, is uh-huh. um, a Japanese faith. Mm-hmm. And there is no written 
coda, so to speak. And really? Buddhism is a, a bit similar in that there were a lot of writings, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's more a... And I'm totally paraphrasing, so any Buddhists that are listening to this, I, I, <laughs> Please I'm I trying us. to honor you to the best of my abilities. Um, Buddhism, from my understanding, is a way to look at life and a way to look at things and, and, and how to best progress through life. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, this is how you should go about solving your problems, mm-hmm. like theoretically, instead of this is what you should or should not do, yeah. which is, which is more, more of the Western, Western religion. Yeah. And then um, in Hinduism... Again, my understanding is that there's a bit of a space for what's called third genders, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming is implications of transsexuality and um, eunuchs, things like that. Yeah. And um, there's also room for men to have sexual relationships with other men as a way of expressing sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did find another tidbit around ancient Greece where it was um, penetrative play was uh-huh. considered a clean act and i think that, that mm. that's its own whole branch of sexuality that it, it we're yeah. not going to go into today <laughs> but there there's certainly those loopholes that existed because i think people really just wanted to connect yeah and um, they just wanted to orgasm and have butt sex they wanted to have whatever they wanted to have yeah. so i think it's really interesting when you look at the different cultures you see some of the similarities and some of the differences around it yeah um, i think what's also interesting is People tend to gravitate toward religion when there's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of upheaval. Yeah. Um, but also just the teachings or looking at the belief and then looking at that and then kind of basing your sexuality around it. Um, I wonder since you had a lot of Greek myths and, and I know that, you know, mythology, the Greek mythology, there was no real written quote unquote Bible right. in, in, you know, ancient Greek religion, ancient Roman religion. But you have these accounts of, you know, your deities, gods and goddesses frequently engaging in multiple, all forms of of sexual acts. (laughs) So I wonder if that also comes into play, too, where, you know, hey, you know, you're believing in, you know, this this deity or this belief and, you know, your deities are fucking like crazy. So why not fuck like crazy just with them? Yeah, I think and I we were talking about doing like a whole episode on just like ancient Greece and and sex. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about how sexuality um, is a reflection of its culture. Yeah. And you can learn a lot about a people by how they view certain things and yeah. what they hold dear and what maybe they are a little bit loose around the edges about. Yeah. Um, I, I, and again, like this whole idea of in times of upheaval, people tend to gravitate towards conservatism. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's also just a lot of hypocrisy around it and a lot of shame around um, sex in general. And and I think the the more and more you talk about religion, the more and more you're going to have the the hypocrisy and the shame come up. Yeah, and I think also, um, moving along with that, it's the whole idea of, you know, how having being the passive role in anal sex is considered taboo. And just having that be looped into oh you like anal play if you're a dude that you're automatically gay yeah like the whole notion of that yeah and i think um, it's a huge misconception yeah that a lot of people have yeah absolutely so so yeah i think that that's a huge shame and you start to really see that in um, the sodomy laws throughout history um we went from just sort of burning and decapitating people to passing <laughs> acts passing acts and laws about um, sodomy so uh, I thought it was really interesting. The Buggery Act in England mm-hmm. was um, was put into law by King Henry VIII. 
1533. Uh And he was like super into religion and super into fucking. So he made his (laughs) own church so that he could tell people how to fuck and how to pray. Um, (laughs) In uh, 1828, they... They clarified in this buggery law that it didn't require for someone to come for them to be convicted. Really? (laughs) So So you could could be tried for for buggery even though you didn't come. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So I just, I think it's really interesting that it's like this idea of, well, just because you didn't come from it, like, doesn't mean that you like aren't an ass fucker or like whatever, yeah. whatever. I don't know what they're trying to do with that. Yeah, but it's but... just like, w- when does that law begin? It's just like when you unzip, like when you take your when you <laughs> right. take your trousers off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like... like so, so where's the sodomy in that? Like, yeah. where does it start and where does it end? Yeah. Um, and then finally, in 1967, the buggery law was repealed so long as it was done in private. Hmm. And since then, I think it's they've they've continued to loosen and and bring down the restrictions mm-hmm. around um, legally around what we what we consider homosexual acts, just sort of as a blanket term. But of course, like any two adults having anal sex in 1952, yeah. that was sodomy, and they could have gotten in trouble for the buggery act, regardless of whether they're a male male or female female or uh-huh. male female. Um, and since many countries that used to be part of the UK inherited and basically grandfathered in a lot of the British laws, mm-hmm. um, they had the Buggery Act as well. So, for example, India uh-huh. or um, Australia yeah. and Canada. So they have since basically like the 60s have all repealed the act in yeah. one way or another. Um, countries where sodomy is illegal, Iran, mm-hmm. Malaysia, Meridius. Mm-hmm. Most likely in North Korea, and the reason why I say that is because there's no laws that implicitly say that uh, sodomy is not okay, mm-hmm. but it's North Korea, so we don't know. It's not, we don't know. We don't know. Chances are, like... We don't know, we how, don't know how they think of those sorts of people that engage in those acts. Do they automatically not become citizens? Like We, we, we just don't have enough information there to know what exactly that law is yeah. there. Russia, famously, mm-hmm. um, it's illegal. Singapore and Zimbabwe. Now, I noticed a lot of those countries, like Zimbabwe, they were former colonies. Yes. So, yeah, I, and, I can see why. And again, you think of countries like the Middle East and parts of Africa. There's been a lot of chaos in mm-hmm. the past couple of decades and generations. So you could understand why they are drawn to conservatism and why they are drawn yeah. to um, a narrower scope a narrower scope of, <laughs> of acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see as, as the decades go by and the generations go by, are they going to become a little bit more liberal? Are they going to relax the sodomy laws? Mm-hmm. We don't know. We don't know. Um, and then here in the Uni- United States, sodomy laws were in every single United State. I don't know why I said United States. <laughs> they're very united. They're all <laughs> united in sodomy they're laws. They're very united in their sodomy <laughs> laws. And so we every single state had them until 1961. And the punish, the punishments for sodomy ranged from fines to like 20 bucks, 100 bucks, to a couple years of, of prison, mm-hmm. to a couple decades of prison. Wow. And in Nevada at one point, you would get life in prison. Nevada. Nevada, the state places. that has legalized prostitution in interesting? some counties. Yeah, in my mind, it's crazy. Um, Illinois was the first to repeal and overturn them in the sixties. I think it was nineteen sixty-seven. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then uh, as of 2014, 17 states have not repealed their sodomy laws. Wow. So Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Oklahoma, and Utah all have some form of a sodomy law. That's, that's crazy because I would assume states that have sodomy laws are the more, you know, the more southern states, you know, states that are considered more religious. I mean, these, but the fact are... they have like, you know, Massachusetts and Maryland, that's crazy. But these are pretty conservative states if you think about mm-hmm. it. For the most part, these are all very conservative states. Um, and then specifically banning homosexual sodomy. Hmm. Kansas, Kentucky, Texas, which con- considering the demographics of most of these states, it's uh-huh. not surprising that they're going to yeah. have a conservative view on sodomy. So on the other hand, on the other <laughs> side of the spectrum from conservatism, conservatism around sexuality is uh, Pornhub. Pornhub! Because <laughs> when I think of very, very liberal views of sex, I definitely think of Pornhub. Pornhub. And Your one-stop shop for all things anal. I, yes. <laughs> and um, I just love their stats. Um, overall, I, I, I can't help but point out, mm-hmm. I love that um, homegrown porn is becoming more and more prevalent and more yeah. and more popular just in general. So big shout out to that. Big shout out to everyone who's like supporting that industry. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, anal was the 12th most popular search overall in 2018, <laughs> beating out threesome. Big ass and Fortnite. <laughs> you know, Fortnite some, was number so, fourteen. <laughs> some, somewhere, somewhere, some kid is developing specifically a big ass anal Fortnite fetish. I know, it's uh, terrifying. It's terrifying. Um, anal was the third most popular search in Germany and Bulgaria. Hmm. Fourth in Iceland and Spain. Fifth in Greece. And by the way, Greek <laughs> is the biggest search in Greece by like a fucking shit ton. <laughs> like the Greeks, they're really into Greeks. It's bizarre. That's like but, but, going into like Pornhub and in the search bar typing in United por- States. Like it's it <laughs> blew my mind. But like I'm wondering like are they are they looking for Greek by like the term like just anal sex like Greek sex? No, just or is it just Greek, Greek people. people? Greek people. And that's pretty consistent. Like I I <laughs> I only pointed out because it was a very, 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 very large difference between the number one and the number two. Because huh. for every other country, their searches are um, pretty close to one another. And, like, mm-hmm. you see that, that, that gradual decline in yeah. their searches popularity. But this was, like, Greek! <laughs> and then, like, some other stuff that we're kind of into. It was it just, <laughs> I, it, I felt important to, to point it out. Um, other, other things that I looked into was the best-selling toys... Oh, interesting. Um, anal toys on Amazon uh-huh. right now, as of last week. Overall, nine of ten of them are black. <laughs> They're silicone. Most of them are silicone. And all of them are under $30. So this, oh, is, nice. a, this is a very affordable... A very cost-effective yeah, top is, ten for anal. Yeah, and like some... There's actually, there's a butt plug I really want. It's like $100. Oh, man. It's got a Swarovski, a Swarovski, <laughs> Swarovski crystal in it. Uh-huh. It's so beautiful. <laughs> but it's like over $100. Anyway. Uh, you right. know what's funny? It's like the, my my favorite toy that I use, my favorite anal toy, is silicone. Yeah. And it was black and was under $30. Yeah. So this is right up my alley. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's literally in your alley. Um. So 
the uh, should I start from the bottom going up or should I go start from the top going down? Let's do top ten to top one. Going going so we're going from ten to one. Ten to one. Okay, yeah. so number ten was the only non silicone object. It was a steel butt plug. Mm-hmm. It had a pink gem in it, which made me very happy. <laughs> um, and it's almost identical to the one that I personally own. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine is a prostate massager. Number cool. eight is a three-in-one prostate massager. Ooh. Number seven is a vibrating butt plug. Number six is butt plug slash trainer. Hmm. Um, number five was a trainer kit. Mm-hmm. Number four was a wireless prostate massager. Uh-huh. Number three was a three-in-one wireless prostate massager, cock ring, and ball loop. That sounds rad. <laughs> <laughs> Number two was a four-piece anal plug set and also looked like a pretty good beginner's kit. Mm-hmm. And um, number one was wireless male vibrating prostate massager. Interesting. So I think some of the things that were just interesting in general was a lot of them were prostate massagers. Yeah. Uh, several of them were three-in-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of butt plugs. And again, like they were all very manly looking. Yeah. You know, like it's, all of them are black. Yeah, it's very interesting where I guess they, they just assume like if it's a guy's toy it wants to be super macho. So yeah. they'll just make it black and like not really phallic looking. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think that has something to do with it. I mean you look at any prostate massager, it doesn't need to look like a dick. You don't need a dick to hit mm-hmm. somebody's prostate. Yeah. So and like it's the same thing with like a G spot stimulator yeah. or like one of my favorite toys is like the rabbit, which like it looks mm-hmm. like like a broom handle with like silicone on top of it and like a weird like smushy thing coming out of it with a vibrator inside. Like, <laughs> sex toys look weird. Like they don't have to yeah. look phallic. No, they're they're just they're ergonomically designed to give you pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting. That's all of my research. Yeah, uh, but that's a good segue because uh, over the years there's been a lot of the whole stigma of you know oh. It, it's super homosexual or it's gay if you're if you're into anal like if you like anal play you like it up the ass and yeah. things like that nowadays i've noticed it's become a lot more relaxed because there's a lot more information on the internet and i don't know uh, about you but you and i you know we're both in our 30s yeah and we were the generation that kind of stopped that we're saying and stopped saying gay yeah and that's true and retard like there's a whole bunch of like very inappropriate very rude things yeah that our generation said in our teens mm-hmm. and then as we got older we realized well my best friend is bi and i'm bi like how can yeah. i how can i call something gay yeah because that that's just that doesn't sit right with me yeah and i think it's because because of stuff like the internet and you know having so many resources at your you know at your disposal it's really educated a lot of people and Absolutely. it's really enlightened a lot of people. And a lot of that just comes from fear. Yeah. Being like, you might be the only one. Like, what will my friends think of me? And then when you realize, oh, like, people are just the same as me, you know, it's really reassuring to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and especially just coming coming back to that where um, the whole idea, you know, prostate orgasms, that's a lot of guys are doing a lot of research into that. They're, they're discovering themselves and it's not a, it's not supposed to be like this gay act. Like sexuality, like pleasure knows no label of your sexual orientation. Yeah. Like you can be gay, you can be bi, you can be straight. You just love prostate orgasms. Like they're fucking amazing. Now, granted, I will preface that with I'm bi. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're very biased in this. Yes, I'm biased as fuck in this, but, you know. I, I will say this. As as a bisexual woman that has slept with 
a lot of men <laughs> of varying sexualities, I have encountered men that are very straight, mm-hmm. like straight, uh-huh. and they were totally into having their their ass fingered, mm-hmm. massaged, um, and that's fine. I wonder if they felt very safe around you where they could be like, okay, I want to experiment now. I want to try this because you're coming from a place of non-judgment. Yeah, I would definitely say, again, our generation being, we're, I think, evolving at a rate that the the generation before us and ahead of us never had the privilege of having with Mm -hmm. the internet just kind of being birthed when we were growing up and a lot of mindsets were starting to change, especially Mm -hmm. around sexuality and identity um, and being inclusive. I definitely found that men that I was dating and sleeping with became more comfortable with themselves mm-hmm. as I as I grew older. And I think, again, that that is a reflection of our society. And uh-huh. also, I think as you get older, you, you just don't give a you shit. You don't give a shit anymore. You just do not care. Like, you, you, you're constructed to care a lot about what people think about you, especially as you get older because you, you're dependent on your parents and then you're dependent on your family, and then you're dependent on your friends. And then once you get to this age of being relatively self-sufficient and Mm -hmm. you don't find yourself worth because people like you, Uh and you realize, like, I'm pretty cool regardless of whether people like me or not, that's when I think you start to to really come into your own sexually. Again, this is all my bias. (laughs) Um, And I think... Yeah, and I but think, stuff is part of that. People start to experiment yeah, more with that stuff. Yeah, as they get it's older. like and and adding on top of that, like you find your own quirks or what makes you you, and then people like you for it. Like it, like, yeah. It, and if they don't, like, then they're not worth your time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I I think I also agree with you about like I've always been very open, and I'm very much like, what's your kink? What are you into? That's weird. I've never done it before. Can we try it? Like, yeah, I'll openly yeah. say that's fucking weird. Let's do it. Like, yeah. I've never done it before. Like, what if I'm totally in love with it? Yeah. I've I've had stuff done to me, and I'm like, holy shit, like, had total, like, meltdown. Like, this is awful. I hate it. And, like, go to the bathroom, come back, and I'm like, 10 of 10 would totally do that again. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you don't know. Like, yeah. you just... It's my bias that as long as it's safe, sane, and consensual, everything is worth trying at least once. Yeah, and it's like, just, if, if you're in, you know, a relationship, or you're seeing someone, you know, don't be afraid to bring up that conversation. Yeah, you know? and, and if you feel like that person is trustworthy. Yeah, then they'll totally understand. If, if it's something they don't want to do, they'll they'll explain to you, you know, they don't want to do it. It's totally fine that you're into that. Yeah. Or, you know, just go crazy and do dress up in bed. Like, yeah. best case scenario, you have the fucking night of your life. Yeah, right? Yeah. I think um, there's a lot to be said just around porn and... I've, we're totally going off on a segue, but I really just wanted to throw this out there. Yeah. Um, my first boyfriend... Who I was totally in love with. Um, I didn't lose my virginity to him. And mm-hmm. the one opportunity that we kind of had to like have sex, mm-hmm. he wanted to have anal with me. And we That's were like interesting. 15. Huh. Right? I and wonder if that goes back to the whole like, you know, you're not you're really not supposed ha- to have you're not sex. really having sex, but anal yeah. sex is not real sex. Yeah. And I, uh, I was not raised 
very conservative or Christian. In fact, I was pretty much the exact opposite. My <laughs> grandmother is a gynecologist. I knew all about sex from when I was like nine. <laughs> My mom had a very, 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 very unnecessarily <laughs> open conversation with me about sex. I was like 13 and she oh, said, wow. orgasms are amazing. I want to be the first person to know when you have an orgasm, which is such an inappropriate thing to say to your 13 year old kid. It's it, ew. It's like, it's... It could be worded better. <laughs> it just should not be worded that way at all to a 13-year-old. Yeah. But the point the point that I'm trying to make is that, again, our generation has been exposed to things in a way... We were in the wild west of the internet. Like, yeah. getting porn was very easy. And, and you really start to see this fascination around anal in our generation yeah. that I... Again, my bias. I don't think that generations before us had. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. The generations before that were into it, they were like on the down low. Yeah. Like there's no way that they could broadcast all this for the world to see. Right. Nowadays, you can just, you know, log on to a porn site to make an account and there you go. Yeah. Just upload everything. Yeah. Um, but working into that, um, the the whole idea of prostate play, it used to be so taboo. Mm-hmm. Again, just, you know, being a guy and... Having a prostate. Having a prostate. <laughs> having a prostate, period. It's like... Having a prostate is so gay. Yeah, it's super gay. It's like anything of your butt is gay. Ha- I'm so straight I don't have a prostate. Yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Sorry. I'm tickled. I'm prostrate. <laughs> oh my God. We need uh, to have a t-shirt that says I'm prostrate. Prostrate. Oh my God. Uh, I'm man. so sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, we told you this episode would be fun, guys. Oh. Um, <laughs> but uh, the whole, you know, you have scientific and, and health um, information at your disposal. And there's a lot of scientific correlation about, you know, why does anal sex feel so good for guys? Right. And then you have the whole notion of, oh, the prostate. You hear all these stories about, quote unquote, the male G spot. And for better or worse, it's. It is the male G-spot. Um, there are a ton of nerve endings on the prostate. It's actually a major, major gland in the human, in the male reproductive system. Um, you know, prostatic fluid, that's where it's all... That's um, the cre- watery part of your semen. Yes, that is the watery part. Not, if we remember from the squirting episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> Analogous to the... Skeins glands. Skeins gland, yeah. Analogous, but different. Yeah. Um, so... You know, you're seeing all this information on the internet and, you know, a lot of guys are like, wow, maybe I could try this. And, you know, you're seeing that, especially with the whole Amazon top 10, you're seeing, you know, guys not being afraid to buy a prostate massager and and even just trying it out. Um, And I think that's also, it's just beneficial to to know about it. If you're a guy and if you're listening and if you haven't tried it, which I doubt you haven't, but... Um, you know, for a lot, of, a lot of guys out there, they, they're, you know, their interest is peaked, but, right. you know, they don't go know the way to, you know, even get there, let alone, you know, what to do for anal play. I just want to go over um, just the different steps. If you're experimenting with yourself, if you're trying to discover um, how to go about getting prostate pleasure, you know, maybe you have nights yourself and you just got your brand new Amazon black silicone. <laughs> <laughs> Trader kit, kit, like what to do. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Can you stimulate the prostate without going into... Yes. The answer is yes. Actually, that was on my notes. Um, So in between, uh, between your testicles and your butthole, the taint. The taint. Yeah. um, The whole area of the taint? The whole, well... 
For oh, those of you that, that are following along at home, Max's knees are, like, up at his shoulders, <laughs> and he's, like, ready to, like, experiment on himself. <laughs> like, do, do you need, like, do you want me to, like, look away? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, actually, I'm just, like, adjusting my shorts okay, right now. <laughs> Are we are what, going into it right we are, now? We are not doing a lot of demonstration. <laughs> okay. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what the hell is what happening? What are you here? doing? Uh, okay. The perineum. The, okay. The perineum. Okay. Perineum, perineum. That, that is part of the taint area. It, it, it is literally, it is actually the technical term for the quote unquote taint. Oh. Okay. Um, so for guys, if you're not really, if you don't want to do anal play or if you don't have the necessary. Penetrative anal play. Penetrative anal play. Um, you can massage. You can, um. If you feel around, there's kind of a ridge or yeah. a nub. That's kind of like the bottom part of, you know, just the whole plumbing down there and the prostate. So you can indirectly, you can indirectly stimulate the prostate. I have a question. Yeah. Is that the part that would sit on a bicycle? Like, you know, when you sit on a bicycle? Yes. You're not going to sit on your balls. You're going to sit on your pelvic bone. Yes. So yes. that's the part that you're sitting on. Yes. That's the part that you're sitting on. Okay. So that part of the pelvic bone. Okay. Um. So sometimes it may hurt if you apply pressure sometimes it may feel good it's completely different for each guy um so i found great success when a guy is coming to rub that area gently. yes yes because there's a lot of muscles there that are connected a lot of um like the pc muscles and kegels that's all interconnected pelvic okay. muscles um if when they orgasm you'll notice that it, there's rhythmic contractions right in the area so that's that yes okay. the answer is yes okay good to know <laughs> um but yeah moving on um if you want to Experiment with penetrative play. Here's a handy, handy how-to guide. <laughs> the first thing I would want to say is this is something you absolutely cannot rush into. You're going to need a lot of time. You're going to you know, set, set aside your night, essentially, if you want to try this out. Um, I would recommend getting a towel in, in case you know there's any mess. Again, it's anal. If you're doing this, you probably don't give a shit about making a mess at this point. And, and it's all about you. It's all about discovering what you want. And I think if you just prepare yourself for whatever might happen, yeah. there's going to be a lot less scrambling. You're going to be more relaxed. Yeah. So don't do this if the house is full. Like, things like that. Like, create... And I mentioned this in the squirting episode. Like, create a place where, like, you're calm, that you're receptive. Yeah. Um, the brain is the biggest sexual organ. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I would say do some mental pre-gaming. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's less of a medical procedure and more like you're going to have sexy time, either with yourself or with a partner. Mm -hmm. So if you're with a partner, discuss this beforehand. Um, you know, your partner will assure you through all this. It shouldn't be something that should spring up at random unless you guys are prepared for it. Ideally be sober. Ideally be, absolutely. Ideally be sober for this because if you feel pain during it, absolutely stop. Yeah. Or readjust or do whatever you want because if you're inebriated or under the influence of something, you may not respond to that. I agree. Uh, the first time I had anal, actually for me, I was really drunk. Oh, wow. And it helped me be very relaxed. Mm -hmm. um, and I would still tell someone it's better to be sober. Yeah. For all the reasons that yeah, you mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah, so again, if you're alone, set the mood, minimize any distractions unless, you know, you're using your phone for porn. Like Put it on moon mode. Put it on moon mode, yes. 
Put it on Do Not Disturb. If you're on iOS. Yeah. Put it on Do Not Disturb and, you know, put your favorite Pornhub playlist on. Yeah. You know, just get happy and get horny. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, as I said earlier, make sure you have stuff to clean up beforehand. So have a towel handy. Have a roll of toilet paper handy. Tissues. Tissues. Wet wipes. Wet wipes. Go to the bathroom. Make sure... I would recommend just emptying your bladder, emptying your everything before you start playing. Yeah. Um, clean up. Maybe take a shower beforehand. I know people that do enemas. I know yeah. people that will take a laxative. Like, say they know they're going to have sexy times and they're going to do anal play on a Friday. Yeah. They will take a laxative on, like, a Wednesday or a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And they, they just make sure that they're cleaned out. Yeah. So that's that's just something to consider as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Don't do anything new, I would say, as well mm-hmm. your first time. Because yeah. you don't want... Like, don't be getting crazy lube. Yeah. Don't be getting warming lube. Yeah, Like, just no. very, very simple. Like, like you, you want to... It's like a like a science experiment. You want your baseline. You want your control. Yeah, so be as, be as simple and efficient and clean and relaxed as you can. Yeah. Um, and then the one thing I cannot absolutely stress enough, use lube. Yes. Tons of lube. Yes. Here's the thing about... The just the whole anal area. Like, there's no lube. There's essentially there's, there's, no, there's lube. no lube. You need lube. <laughs> the limit the limit falls to zero. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's essentially like I, I can't even begin to describe like what it's like to have anal sex without lube. Yeah, it's unless this is something that you're very experienced with and you're really into. Mm-hmm. I don't endorse it personally. <laughs> um the vagina is self-lubricating. Mouths are self-lubricating. Buttholes are not. Yeah, they're and not. And there's no shame in using a lot of lube. And if you're doing anal sex for the first time and you need more lube or something hurts, you need more lube. You need like, more lube. That's okay. Just yeah. get more lube. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Like, you're going to make a mess. That's what the towel's for. That's what the wet wipes, tissues are for. Yeah. Honestly, don't worry about the mess. Just have fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, beyond that, if your partner or partners are using fingers rather than toys i would highly recommend that they have their fingernails trimmed yes um (laughs) all the tissue in there is very very sensitive and very thin um so you don't want to risk any bleeding or any injury yeah doing that you don't want any sort of tearing yeah tearing is the worst you don't want to do it if you're using silicone based toys make sure you use water-based lube um, you don't want to use anything that could start breaking down your sex toy. Yeah. So you don't want to be using baby oil. Nope. You don't want to be using lotion. Nope. And you do not want to be using um, silicone-based yeah. um, toy or yeah. uh, silicone-based lube. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's science. Yeah. It's and we're much. not scientists. Yeah. But just trust us on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, likewise, you can use creams, oils on steel. Mm-hmm. And glass. Yeah. And silicone on steel and glass. Yeah. And there's pros and cons to, to, to each. each. Yeah. Um, and that's something that you can look into. Um, if you go to any adult store, um, the staff would be well-versed and well-trained in what lube works well with what toys. So always, 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 if you feel like you have a question, don't be afraid to ask it. Yeah. And most sex uh places that you go to were based here in LA so there's a ton of sex shops. Mm-hmm. Um Romantics is typically the one you will encounter the most. They're kind of like a chain. Mm-hmm. Their staff is super super friendly and a lot of times they let you try the lube out. They'll yeah. let you touch it. 
they will answer questions. Say you've picked out a toy that you really love. If you go mm-hmm. up to the staff and you say, I love this toy, well, what lube do I use with it? Mm-hmm. They will show you like 12 different types of lube specifically for that toy. Yeah, specifically. So don't be shy and it's better to ask and find out than yeah. find out in a horrible way on your own. Yeah, definitely. Um, so once you've done all those steps and you're ready to get nasty, you're horny... You just want stuff in your butt. I'm going to add one more thing. Sorry, okay. <laughs> before, before we get into okay, the butt okay. stuff. Um, and this is, again, my personal bias. I would clean whatever toy you use. Oh, absolutely. Just like when you buy, like, a new plate from Ikea or, like, Target, you want to, like, wash your new Tupperware. Yeah. You want to wash your toys, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, there's plastic and all yeah, kinds of weird chemicals. Wipe it down with alcohol. For some toys, you could boil them. However it is that you sanitize your toys, be sure you do that. Before and after every time you play. Yeah. Absol- Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, also, uh, before I start doing the how-to, um, afterwards for cleanup, um, just make sure, like, if you won't need to take a shower and wash everything off, go ahead. But absolutely, yes. Um, cl- make sure you clean up your toy. Um, the thing about the anal cavity is there's a lot of bacteria, some of which is actually pretty harmful. Yeah. So you just want to make sure everything's squeaky clean afterwards. So take some time, use warm water, use alcohol to disinfect it, squeaky clean, so you're ready for the next go. A good way of doing things is, um, say you have a towel and mm-hmm. you have like all of your stuff out and you really want to like take a shower afterwards or whatever, take a break and catch your breath, um, have a dedicated spot for you to put all of your toys down and set them aside, make sure that they're not going to drop, they're not going to be touched by somebody by mm-hmm. accident Go take a shower, go do your thing, go rest, go relax, and then clean them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, once all the paperwork's done... Now we're ready for butt stuff! You're ready for butt stuff! <laughs> um, what I would recommend, um, don't go straight into it if this is your first time. So maybe you want to do a little bit of foreplay, you know, tease yourself. Maybe if you have an erection, you know, play around with your shaft. Just kind of get really in the mood. I think this goes for women as well. Yeah. Um, just any sort of stimulation, relaxation, um, a massage of the area. Yeah. The buttocks. I don't know what the term is for women, but it's the same thing for women. Like, we have a taint. Yeah. Like, rubbing, gently massaging, teasing, all of those areas are going to help you relax in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so once you're ready to do it, what you're going to do, if you're, uh, I'm, I'm coming from the idea that you're using a prostate massager for this, uh, maybe a prostate vibrator. So you're going to enter very slowly. Make sure you're, it, everything's lubed up so it's nice and smooth going in. You're going to stop once you're about, th- about three inches in. So if you're having to be using a finger on yourself or your partner's using it, what you're going to do is you're going to insert so the curve of your finger is facing front towards the navel. So towards your belly button. And then what you're going to do is you're going to do a come hither shape and you'll find sort of like a ridge bulge, almost sort of like a, kind of like a walnut, I would say. It's a much different texture than anything in the area um, about three inches in. That is the prostate. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Beyond there, a lot of guys are different. Some people prefer more direct feeling, so... They'll, they'll like direct penetration on it or direct um, oh, pressure pressure stimulation okay. with it. And then within that, some people like using circles, you know, rubbing it. So or, it's like a girl's clit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And every guy's different. So some guys might like a come hither motion where you're applying a lot of pressure on it, mm-hmm. on and off. 
or maybe kind of like just touching it and stopping stimulation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, circles, you know, just pats. Do the alphabet. Yeah, do the alphabet. <laughs> it'd no, be hard seriously. to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be hard to do an alphabet like yeah. crunched up like that. But, cursive. I mean, yeah, yeah, cursive. cursive. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, others prefer to clench, unclench their Kegel muscles or okay. their, their ass muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, that also stimulates too because you're kind of forcing the pressure on your prostate. If you're using a vibrator, some vibrators have different um, vibrating modes. So kind of like an on-off motion. Yeah, so there's like on, 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 on and then there's on, off, on, off, and then yeah. there's on, 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 off. Yeah. On, that, on, 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 <laughs> That's actually my personal favorite. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you discover what your favorite is and then you stick with it. Yeah, yeah. So and beyond this, if you're using a partner, always keep communication open. Um, if for any reason you feel something discomforting, try something different. It's not a race. You breathe. Can try, breathe. Try something new. If you're stimulating, if you like what you're doing, you might start feeling kind of like a warm buzzing feeling. Okay. Um, it's just kind of, it's, it's the buildup, right. essentially. If you're doing that, it's completely fine, and it's actually completely normal if you lose an erection. It's just your body reacting to this feeling of something in your butt, something's hitting your prostate, so it's a lot of internal reshuffling going on. Okay. So some guys might get hyper erections, some guys might become flaccid. It's different for everybody. Okay. So focus on your butt, not on your dick. Focus on your butt, not your dick. But if, <laughs> if your dick feels good, you know, do stuff with that too. Yeah. And I think on, for me, having done a lot of anal play, mm-hmm. I will notice I can't pay attention to everything at the same time. Yeah. And as much as I love like DP or like all three, uh-huh. I can't pay, I cannot pay attention to all three things at once. I can't pay attention to yeah. like... My clit, my vagina, my G-spot, and my ass. Like, yeah. So it would make sense that that's consistent for other people, too. Whereas, yeah. like, you can't give your attention to everything. At the yeah, time. yeah. It may be overwhelming for some guys. So, you know, s- some guys might prefer just focusing on what's happening in the prostate. Other right. guys might just focus straight on the fantasy that they're having or, you know, whatever visual or audio stimulation they're having and letting your body react naturally that way. Personally, for me, I... I tend to do a little bit of both. I'll mainly focus on my prostate and whatever fantasy or whatever is turning me on right there, like hyper-focusing on that. Right. Um, and that really gets my body flowing and just getting that stimulation going. So once you start feeling good, what does the prostate orgasm feel like? That is the million-dollar question that a lot of guys have when they, you know, are scared of anal right. <laughs> and never want to try it. Um, everyone's different. Every response will completely be unique. Uh, the majority of men say that the prostate pleasure, it feels like the beginning of an orgasm. So that warm, ticklish, like really intoxicating wave, like the point of no return from right. the orgasm episode that we're talking about, you get that sensation. However, through the prostate, it tends to be much more long lasting and really expansive. So for some guys, that pleasure will just hit and it's like a constant buzz and you may feel it radiating. Huh. Yeah. Okay. By that point, your body might be reacting, so your legs might stiffen. You know, you might have leg muscle stiffness. Um, that may contribute to that as well. So it's just like this overloading of muscles. You may find your abs tightening as well, depending on the position you're in. So if you're on all fours or on your back. Prostate orgasms can occur with the absence of ejaculation. That's the big thing. Right. So guys can come and not ejaculate right. with a prostate orgasm. Or you can come 
and ejaculate. It just depends on how your body's reacting to this onslaught of sensation. Men tend to dribble cum during prostate play, and that's what's called prostate milking. Essentially, your body's releasing that prostatic fluid. Okay. So it's cleaning. It's essentially cleaning house. Okay. I mean, you're poking your prostate. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's going to ooze a little bit. It's going to ooze. <laughs> and honestly, that's fine. Like, some people find that, you know, a, a huge turn on. If your partner's there, they can, you know, lick it up or dispose of it, clean it. It's, is it the same as pre-cum? Yes. The answer is yes, sort of. Okay. Because uh, prostate fluid is part of pre-cum. Right. Um, so is it like a square rectangle situation? Yes. Okay. Yes. So essentially you're, you're releasing all that fluid, but not necessarily the sperm per se, because okay. all that prostatic fluid's fluid's getting released. I see. So you might get, um, just, you know, all those contractions normally. It might feel like a long, dull orgasm constantly, or you might get multiple. Personally, for me, whenever I do it, I tend to get two. So I'll get this deep kind of deep contractions and then it'll just like be this heightened buzzing and after after a while the second one would hit and it's a lot harder uh i would have like penile contractions with that Hmm. and by that time my legs are so tired yet i feel like i need a orgasm normally so i'll try to finish myself through penile orgasm interesting yeah um, but every guy's completely different. I don't think I've ever witnessed a man having a prostate orgasm. Really? The way that you're describing it, yeah. And I haven't engaged in a lot of anal play in which I'm giving anal stimulation. And porn that I've seen just doesn't have it. So it's just interesting yeah. hearing sort of what the male yeah, and what, What's really interesting is you don't see that in a lot of professionally made porn because it's still something that's, I, I wouldn't say taboo, but it's not so mainstream yet. So yeah. a lot of the videos that you see online of guys, um, you know, having prostate play and prostate orgasms, it's pretty much all homemade. That makes sense. So a lot of that comes from, you know, subreddits and, you know, different forums and groups. porn. Yeah, porn things like that. Do you and think it's because there isn't a high demand for it? I think so. And honestly, it's a lot of misinformation and just a lot of people not knowing. And I've, I've noticed a lot lately that it's starting to become slowly more and more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see more, more and more videos pop up on normal porn sites and just a lot of discussion about it. As far as from an outsider's perspective of witnessing someone have a prostate orgasm, it's different for everybody. Much like, you know, women and having G-spot orgasms. Right. They, they're completely different reactions for every different type of person. Some guys might be super silent. Some guys might wail. Some guys just might have body convulsions. Um, for me, typically, I tend to moan a lot more. I don't consider myself super, super vocal. I tend to be vocal during sex, but I will fucking moan to the moon <laughs> during a prostate orgasm. Um, and so, you know, you might write out the orgasm. You might do this a couple more times like it's really up to you you can stop whenever you want if you feel exhausted go ahead and stop it's completely fine if you feel like you want to keep going go at it more um once you're all done just make sure again with the cleanup putting stuff away cleaning yourself uh you know maybe having a debrief with your partner yeah as a coming down if this is your first time it's a bit of an aftercare situation I'm. yeah yeah especially because for a lot of guys, especially like their first time or their first time having a prostate orgasm, it's very new. Yeah. And it's completely different from a penile orgasm. So that might be something that's, I want to say a little bit scary, but a lot different. 
surprising. It's distressing. Very, yeah, very surprising. It could be distressing if you're not used to it. Yeah. Um, I was going to piggyback on that. Just as a woman who's had anal play and mm. anal sex, the cleanup afterwards is super crucial. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I'm pretty sure I've given myself a UTI <laughs> or a, a bacterial vaginosis mm-hmm. because I had anal play. It's so very, 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 very easy to spread bacteria from yeah. your butt yeah. to your vagina. Absolutely. So I think a good good practice for both for both genders, but especially women because we're very sensitive mm-hmm. to to this is um once you're done, go to the bathroom, wipe down immediately, front yes. to back. Um, if you could hop in the shower and use antibacterial soap, do that. Pee. Uh, make yeah. sure that like everything is like washed off and cleaned off as soon as you can, as soon as yeah, reasonable. Because of course, like some people want to have like cuddle time and downtime, mm-hmm. but try to minimize the amount of time that you're spending in basically poop juice. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. Like the lube is gonna become poop juice. So let's let's just yeah. be real and remember it's poop juice. Yeah. You don't want that on your hoo ha. Yeah. You don't want to get a bacterial yeah. infection because then you're gonna have a yeast infection and then you have to take yeah. the medicine and the other medicine. Yeah. You're gonna and have this... to go on a crazy diet because you can't <laughs> get rid of them both. So just do yourself a huge favor. Yeah. And, and I, I think for men as well, like there's always yeah, a absolutely. chance, especially if you are doing prostate play and then you finish off masturbating yes absolutely you're so you're going to introduce bacteria around the, around the urethra yeah. if you're if you're uncircumcised the foreskin that's a huge yeah. huge bacteria cultivating area yeah so be so. very very mindful and careful i think any sort of sex have fun be smart and yeah. anal play is no different yeah be smart and yeah clean yeah be smart have fun and be clean yes um and also be educated so the whole idea of prostate orgasm, prostate play, you know, a lot of guys are, are getting attuned to it. Normally, the first time they hear the word prostate, they think, oh, prostate exam. Yeah. Or Did you know you're supposed to do those every five years once you turn 50? Yes. Oh, no. Actually, it's being recommended now that you start that at age 35. What? Yes. Um, so, fun fact. Male and female or just male? Well, women don't have prostates. Oh, but you're supposed to still get colonoscopies. Yes, colonoscopies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, colonoscopies, but for sure prostate. Um, wow, at 35. Yes, prostate cancer is the second, I believe, the second most common form of cancer among men. Wow. And it is typically the reason why there are so many deaths from prostate cancer is because people don't get checked. Yeah, it's neglected. It's, it's neglected, and it's it's extremely easy to treat if you get it detected early because it's a very slow-moving cancer. Right. Um. So... You know, speaking of prostate play and prostate health, really, don't be afraid to get checked out. Yeah. Um, Is there a way that you can check for it or are there any signs of there being any sort of issues? It's Well, you know, if you feel like you have an enlarged prostate, so, you know, if you feel like you have to go to the bathroom a lot or you feel constantly like having, you know, like a full bladder, um, that might be some signs that maybe, you know, it could be an infection the moment you feel anything wrong or something's not right, don't be afraid to go to a urologist. Don't be afraid to go to your doctor and, and get things checked out. I think the most embarrassing thing 
Like, because people think, like, oh, man, going to the doctor about my butt is so embarrassing. It's like, you know what's embarrassing? Dying of butt cancer. Yeah. Especially when it's so treatable. Yeah, it's So treat- don't die of butt yeah. cancer. <laughs> don't die of butt cancer. And it's like, I have a lot of personal stake in this because I, uh, one of my family members is a prostate cancer survivor. Yeah. And luckily they were able to detect, detect it early. They had an exam early and they were able to get that completely um, checked out and got the treatment. Luckily they're healthy and fine 15 years after the fact. So, you know, it's really important to, to get checked out on top of, you know, just the anal play. Look out for yourself. If you feel like, if you feel like something's wrong, always go to, go to a doctor. Yeah. Um, I think uh, your body is a very good messenger when something feels off. Yeah. And it's better to be... It's better to have that awkward five-minute conversation with your doctor or that awkward 10-minute exam yeah. than suffering from some sort of pain for two, three yeah. years and then finding out it's stage three or four cancer of something yeah. and there's no backpedaling out of that. Yeah. So it's always, you know, I've I've seen a friend lose their parent because they had, their parent had reproductive issues mm-hmm. and they, they didn't know and they were very stubborn about going to the doctor about it, I think because maybe they were embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And um, they died shortly after getting their diagnosis because their symptoms were so severe. painful and so severe at that point. Wow. So I think, again, it, it's like, it's butt stuff. It's your butt. Like it's it's, butt. it doesn't make you gay. It doesn't doesn't have anything to do with yeah. like your sexuality, who you are, your manliness. Like, literally, the lamest thing you can die from is like a super curable cancer in your butt. Yeah, because you were stubborn. Yeah. to see your doctor. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, too, there are tons of studies. It's it's becoming well known that if you engage in prostate play, in in anal play you actually have a very reduced risk of, of contracting prostate cancer. Interesting. Because you're really draining all the fluids in there. There's a lot of cell regeneration and, you know, you're at reduced risk doing that. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, butt stuff can save your life. Butt stuff can totally save your life. Yeah, especially if you're a dude. So get to playing and make sure you go see the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, have you ever had anal? I've had anal done on me through toys. Okay. I've never had passive or active. Active, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was that was that something you want to do or you're into? Uh, because I know was, I know you have yeah. you have a female companion. I do, and she engages in a active role, and I'm typically in a passive role, so she'll she'll give me prostate orgasms like crazy. Right. Honestly, it's not for me. Yeah. And giving it, or receiving? Uh, giving. Okay. Um, uh, receiving honestly, maybe with a condom, with with certain preparations, and you know, I'm I'm bisexual, so like yeah. the whole idea is like, oh, if you're gay or bi, you always like dicks up your butt. Like that may not be the case. It may not be the case, and in the case, it's not for me. I would much rather have penetrative play with toys or fingers, and if I want to, you know, have sex with a guy, I'd rather do you know frauding or sword play rather than anal play. Right. I think for me, so I have had anal sex. Um, it was something I really wanted to save for marriage. Uh-huh. I felt very strongly that I lost my virginity very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lost my virginity to somebody that did not care about me at all. Wow. And that's okay. Like, that is just an experience that I had. And I've had lots of mm-hmm. experiences having sex with partners that really, really cared for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it is my bias that I'm a complete slut. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I really wanted to have one thing that was really, like, sacred and special. And I felt like, to me, 
anal was that thing and mm-hmm. anal was something that I would only give to somebody that I would marry or that I am married to. Interesting. So I had, I'm married now. I have had anal sex with my husband. I hope he's not mad that I'm talking about it now. Um, <laughs> and I think it's because it's such a sensitive area. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it wasn't so much a taboo thing. It was more because I've let guys like finger my ass. Like I've mm-hmm. let guys eat my ass. Like that's fine. Uh-huh. The big thing for me is like that big fucking thing, that big sausage going up my ass. Like <laughs> the uh-uh. big like, gentleman I, sausage. Yeah, like I I gotta be able to trust you. Like you are yeah. very much in a vulnerable, submissive place when you are receiving um, anal sex specifically. But I think seeing the size of certain butt plugs, <laughs> which can be very invasive. Um, you are in a very vulnerable state, and I think that um, anyone that is willing to bottom for you mm-hmm. in in whatever anal play it is, I think it's worth noting that there is a level of respect and appreciation to give to that person. Yeah, because absolutely. some people don't give that very freely. I, I know I personally did not. I, I don't regret that decision at all. I mm-hmm. like that I slept around, I sewed my wild oats <laughs> and I, I sewed a lot of oats. There's a lot of oatage going on. But I was able to keep this very, very sacred thing to somebody that was really yeah. special to yeah. me. So that's something to be said as well. If if pegging or prostate stuff is something that you're curious about and you want to wait until marriage or you want to wait until you have a very serious girlfriend or boyfriend, then yeah. that is totally fine. It's totally fine. It's your sexuality and it's your decision. Um, for me, whenever I'm in the receiving end of anal play... It's a very submissive role for me. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of, honestly, it's kind of honorable in a way. It's like, you you trust me well enough that I'm telling you about my fantasies and you're engaging in it. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of a level of communication and trust. It's yeah. very special. I think so. And, and again, this is purely our bias. Yeah. Some people may feel very differently. Um, and I think... Overall, I think there has to be a huge level of respect to the butt in general. Yeah. Our butt does a lot of beautiful, amazing things for us. It <laughs> needs to be respected and cared for. And if you ever find that you are struggling with some form of anal play, um, do some research, get more lube, try yeah. a different toy, try a smaller size, go on the internet, like ask questions, call your doctor. Don't be afraid and don't be shy, especially if you feel like there's something wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you said, like it's prostate cancer is such an easily solvable thing. Colon cancer is also very common. And if people would just be a little less taboo taboo taboo. about it, you could really harness a lot of power around your butt. Yeah. A lot of, (laughs) a lot of butt power, butt power. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, and on that butt power note, <laughs> I think we reached the end of the episode. Yeah, we've, we've reached the tail end. We reached the tail end. <laughs> we um, reached the back end part. I, I can't make any more. <laughs> I, like, I like ran out of like. There's, there's no there's, more butts about it. So no more butts about it. It's, do you, I, I'm going to ask this. Uh, do you have a favorite toy or something that you're really curious to try? Pegging's on the list. Um, so my partner and I have talked about it so we're gonna look into getting a toy like probably properly sized toy in a strap and play around with that dope yeah that's probably my next step um maybe a butt plug okay do you know what kind you want no idea but that's that's the beauty of it i can do some research and talk to people and see what people like yeah so um i personally i have a whole bunch of toys 
Um, I've done a dildo in my mm-hmm. butt. I've done a glass wand. Mm-hmm. I've done a glass butt plug. I've mm-hmm. done a steel butt plug. I've done a silicone butt plug. <laughs> done a lot of butt plugs. I've done penises with and without condoms. So you've, you've had enough Lots varieties of, of butt plugs to form your own Power Ranger group. Yes. <laughs> and um, for me personally, one of, I think my favorite toy is my silicone uh, butt plug. Uh-huh. It's... It's like the can. It's like it's, it's cute. It's pink. Oh, it's a candy heart. That's cute. That's super cute. It's like a little heart. So when you put it in, it's a little heart. And the thing that I like about it is it's silicone, so it's soft. Mm-hmm. So if you're really into going out in public or um, you want to go to dinner wearing a butt plug, uh-huh. I find personally, even though my silicone plug is probably the biggest one that I own, mm-hmm. it it feels really good for those purposes. Mm-hmm. I really like glass because it stays cold uh-huh. or you could warm it up. Uh-huh. Um, be very careful about glass toys because there's a lot of fakes out there and glass can break. Yeah. So that's just something to be aware of. I've used steel. Steel's also mm-hmm. really lovely because of the temperature change. Uh-huh. It's also heavier. So that actually is a really nice stimulation. Like the fact that you could feel its weight in you. Uh-huh. The thing I don't like about my steel toy is the rim of it kind of cuts into my skin a bit. Oh, I see. So just like keeping in mind the, those sorts of things like what what is this toy for? How am I going to use it? What is the length of time I'm going to be using it? Yeah. What's the cleaning process for this yeah. toy? Like you have to like wash and clean things with antibacterial soap. Yeah. Do you need to boil them? Um, well, I imagine also if there's vibrations involved, you know, what type of batteries and you yeah. have to look out is for it waterproof? Batter- waterproof, battery safety, things like that. Yep, yep. Um, and then just, some people don't think about this, but like your lube, it's a liquid thing and it can expire. Yeah, that's true. So, um, most makeup brands usually have like a little icon on the back of their product that says like how many months until it expires from opening. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure if any lube bottles have that, but a pretty safe rule of thumb is about a year from opening date. So I just wanted to put that out there in the world that there's different types of toys and there's kind of these general safety practices safety rules with lube. for people to keep in mind. Yeah, and the good thing is, like, you can find lube, like, beyond just adult stores. You can go to, like, Target, Walmart. Yes, CVS. Yeah, CVS. I think if you're going to be doing anal, I would not recommend candy-flavored, no. warming, cooling. Like, it's a very, very, very sensitive area. Just use plain old lube. Unless you're, like, a butt expert... <laughs> just oh, plain, plain an old ass aficionado yeah and um you know there's a whole bunch of different brands ky jelly is a very 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 reliable brand yeah um and i believe all of their lubes are water-based i don't know if you if you can correct i, I believe so i have to check um i personally i prefer baby oil really for anal sex mm-hmm. and for um my steel and uh glass toys I can't use it on my silicone. So things like that are worth keeping in mind. Like there's certain types of lubes that you might prefer, but mm-hmm. they may not be compatible with all of your toys. Yeah. Um, there is a bias that I have. And after all this stuff that we said about how butt stuff isn't just for homosexual, like homosexual people, I do find that lube that is marketed to gay men tends to be much better in quality. <laughs> That has been my bias. You just need that extra level of gay. Just that extra pinch of gay. I don't know why. (laughs) I really think, you know what? I really think that, like, if 
there is somebody that's using a specific product for a specific purpose Mm -hmm. and it's very popular within that demographic, there has to be a reason why it's so popular. Yeah. So again, it's my bias and it's been my experience that quote unquote gay Gay. dude lube is good. Um, And like just general rule of thumb, like if it's a very well-known brand, look it up on Amazon, do your research before you buy anything. Yeah. Or go to your local sex shop, talk to people, get advice. Um, don't be afraid to go on to go online to you know like Reddit or different forums and ask too. Yeah, and if you have sensitive skin, always be sure that you're testing on somewhere other than your butt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just try it maybe on your butt cheeks. Try it on the inside of your knee or your elbows, where your tissue is really thin. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even your armpit because that yeah. that tissue is pretty thin um, before you apply it. And again, that that goes mostly for people that have very sensitive skin. Yeah. I think that's it, guys. That's it. Woo! So we hope you are well uh, educated in butt stuff now. Again, any more questions? You have so many resources. Yeah, you go to your local sex shop. uh, You look online. There's tons of resources. Be sure that you're looking at credible sources. Yeah. I think the best resource you could ever ask is your doctor. Absolutely. So if you have any questions or concerns about anal sex... They've seen some weird stuff, you guys. Uh, They're not going to judge you. They've seen weird stuff put in. And taken out. And taken out. So um, if you ever have any questions or concerns about anal sex, um, talk to your gynecologist or your GP. Yep. And on that note, guys, that is another episode down. We'll see you guys around for episode four. Yep. See ya. Bye-bye. Kinks and fans.